Father, in the beginning, you created the heavens and the earth. And before one of our days came to be, Lord, you had determined them all. Lord, and it was for this week that the last days on earth for Danny would be. And we're grateful, Lord, that we have walked with him, served with him. And thank you that he is now in glory. And Lord, we pray comfort during this service on precious Iris and the rest of the family. We thank you, Lord, for all of your children that you took home last night while we slept. Lord, rewarded them with, they closed their eyes in darkness and awoke to glorious, infinite beauty. And Jesus, you made all of that possible. Because you closed your eyes in death on the cross. We thank you that you're risen from the dead, Lord, and the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the church and we have been alive for 21 centuries simply because of the magnetic, unstoppable power of the Holy Spirit bonding us together, bonding us to you. And now we pray, O Holy Spirit, for the heartbreaks of those who are in this room and those who are watching Uh, Lord, those who are finding it very difficult to trust you, to follow you, to see you, to hear you. Father, we pray that in the name of Jesus Christ, that the power of the Holy Spirit through music and and the Word of God, Lord, even in my brokenness, even in my inability to teach well, Lord, you would pour out the Holy Spirit and you would be a mother to those whose knees are skinned, whose hearts are bruised. You'd be a father uh, to those who cannot walk and need to be picked up and carried. You'd be a brother, Lord, to those who need a big brother. You'd be a comforter to those who sorrow. Oh, God, come and do a great work. At the beginning of this year, we cry out that we would, the goal of this year, we would see you as never before. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. My preaching professor used to say that if you have a cold, uh, the first thing that you should not do when beginning to preach is to apologize for uh, being sick. Don't draw attention to anything about you because it will take attention away from the message of the Word of God that you are about to preach. Yet, it seems appropriate that there are times when the congregation, the church, should know that the preacher himself is struggling so that the words that he says would maybe have more relatability because they're coming from someone like yourself that is finding it difficult to appropriate the Word of God in this hour of your life. So physically speaking, I'm fine. I don't have a cold. I feel as healthy as a horse, an old horse, but healthy as a horse instead. But but my soul is a bit vexed. I'm carrying a burden because I'm loving someone close to me and their pain makes it significant enough that it's a little difficult to preach on the text that I am today, which is precisely the reason that I changed everything to preach on the text that I'm preaching today. I apologize for making you guess what possible trial could be going on in his life. But it really is of no relevance because 
you have a trial in your life. And so what we really just need to do is just together pull for each other to come into the presence of God, to come into the presence of Holy Scripture, and soak in every drop of comforting and challenging word found in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. So let me say today that I really don't have anything new to share to you about this verse. In fact, I really don't have a lot of extra things to say in addition to this verse. Like this is my one nail and my preaching time is my hammer. And over and over again, I'm just going to hammer that nail. Because you don't know it yet. As I don't know it yet. We know that verse when we're in small groups. And it's fun to talk about. But that's the crazy thing about Scripture. is It's easy to love the Word of God sometimes except when you most need it. And then you find your flesh resisting it. It's fun to talk about strategies related to temptation, except when temptations come. Not that fun. Ooh, a temptation. I think I'll hold up the Word of God. It's fun to talk about trusting God for all things when you have all things. Verses like this can be frustrating because we don't want to give ourselves to them until we know exactly what God is doing. And that's not the way that faith works. It begins with trust in the Lord. Well, what does that mean? There's a lot of ways we could define trust, but today we'll say trust is a belief-fueled dependency. That's what trusting God means. I I fully believe who He is, therefore I fully trust who He is. I have full assurance in God's character, full assurance in God's wisdom, His ability, and His reliability. I believe Him, therefore I depend on Him. So that's the positive way of talking about what it means to trust in the Lord. But the writer helps us out primarily what he does in This text is helping us through the negative way of what it means to trust in the Lord by what not to do in trusting the Lord. So he says, trust in the Lord, and he says, this is how you don't do it. Don't lean on your own understanding. So the way that you trust the Lord is, You refuse to believe in your wisdom. You refuse to think that your perspective is going to be able to figure this out, that your resources are going to be able to handle this. Trusting the Lord says, I don't have the wisdom and I don't have the resources. So I guess we could define faith as beginning with self-distrust. That's where faith begins. I don't put myself or my trust in my but rather, I trust in the Lord with all my heart. 
I performed a funeral for a man this week down in North Augusta. He was 85 years old, and I met him when he was seven, when I was 17. <clears throat> and um, his name was Bill, and he was a, been a mentor of mine all my life. He moved, his family moved uh, to high school in uh, to North Augusta when I was a senior, and his son uh, was a senior as well, coming from um, Oak Ridge, Tennessee. He had studied physics in college and um, had applied that by working in a nuclear uh, facility all his life through to physics, and he was an accomplished pianist and did fairly well as a novice investor. This man was full of abilities, and he was crazy, handsome, and yet he said that the reason that God moved him from Oak Ridge to North Augusta was to strip him of everything that he had put his reliance in, and he said for the first time in his life he had discovered what faith in God is all about, because up until that time he could do it all by the natural abilities that he had been born with. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Leaning not on your own understanding says, I'm going to reject the belief. This is the key. I'm going to reject the belief that I know what is best for me. I'm going to reject the belief that I know what pain should be in my life and what pain should not be in my life. The problem with pain is it always comes the wrong time in the wrong amount and stays for the wrong duration. And we always say it has, it cannot have any good purpose. And the reason we say that is we're interpreting all of that pain through our own understanding. And the writer of Proverbs says, you can't know God if you interpret pain through your own understanding of your pain. After just release it all and say, I'm not wise enough to understand the goodness and the rightness and the timing of this pain. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is really a picture of a man to contrast, make your choice in life. You can be leaning on a wobbly, rotten fence or leaning against a brick wall. Your own understanding or leaning against the Lord. Don't lean on your own wisdom is what it's saying. Because your wisdom is so different than God's wisdom. You want to know what God's wisdom is like? He shows us what God says. God says this is what is wise. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness, non-wise, non-wise. To those who are perishing, those without the Lord. But to, those, but to us who are being saved, the cross is the wisdom of God. You know, we just went through Christmas, and we, we already said it did not look like the wisest move in the world for Jesus king of the world to come establish his earthly kingdom. He didn't choose to come be in a palace, but vulnerable like a baby in a manger. That did not look wise to me. That was not the right choice. Kingdom, palace, not manger. 
Then, after Jesus inaugurated his kingdom for 30 years of living and then followed by three years of teaching and miracles, he inaugurated his kingdom by dying for the subjects of the kingdom, by dying naked on a cross. And God says, this is the wisest thing I've ever done. You sort of get the concept now of why I'm trying not to interpret your pain as whether it's wise. You have no idea what wisdom is. That is wisdom. The cross. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and He will make your paths straight. Who will? He will. Who's that? God. God is the one who's working on this for you. How could we forget this? You're not alone. He, God, will make your path straight. This is the God who created you. This is the God who created the cosmos. This is the God who's seen everything you've ever done in your life and still loves you. He, God, is working on this for you. He's making your paths straight. You know, the thing I love most about reading stories in the Bible is to see how God is directing the paths of his people. Because always on one page, they look like they are in the middle of disaster. And then two days, two pages later, glorious power is released. And you see all the reasons that they went through what they did. I recently asked God for something big. And I did not get what I asked for. It was devastating. It was crushing. And a friend of mine wrote these words. I am so sorry that for now, things did not turn out exactly like we wanted. And that's the story of many people in this room today, many in the city, many across this nation and around the globe, that for now, things did not turn out the way we wanted. And the message of Scripture is, don't confuse for now with forever. For now does not equal forever. It just means for now and that's it. One of the reasons I love talking to older Christians is they always have the same perspective in life. Despite all of my hardships, God was crazy leading me. They all agree on that. When you talk to an older believer... I love how G. Campbell Morgan says this leading of God. God has many ways of directing. He directs by obstacles placed across the way, which I cannot overcome, and which drive me to a new way. He directs by clearing obstacles away, which I thought could not be moved. He directs by delay, keeping me waiting long after I have heard his call to service. He directs by immediateness. Flinging me out into a new position where I must seek his guidance. He directs by opposition. He directs by encouragement, by whispers in the soul, which makes a man dare when all men tell him his daring is of no avail. He directs by disappointing or by realizing our dreams. No youth 
has ever bared their soul to God, desiring to be led of Him and determined to follow, but that God has led and God has directed. He will make your path straight. I want to make a confession today. I am semi-old, which means that I love, like that music that was just, the song they sang today, the one that was just written this morning, that's sort of the way I'm with music. Every week I said, Hunter, where was that? He said, well, it's been out a couple of years. So I love this new music. I just like it. But my soul loves a lot of the stuff that I remember where I was 20, 30, 40 years ago. And so I want to just play about a minute of an old song. And the people in the background they were like, Richard, what decade did you get this from? Probably the 70s or 80s. But it's Andre Crouch and C.C. Wyman singing through it all a reminder that God is, is leading. I have many tears and sorrows. I have questions for tomorrow. There's been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave less consolation. Then my trial came, slowly make me strong. Not my interpretation. You will never have any peace in life if you interpret the circumstances that cause you pain through your own wisdom. He is making a straight path. The one who is working for you, is his heart is so big that he sent his son to die on a cross that you could live with him forever. That's the one working on your path. But in order for us to arrive at this destination, Proverbs 3 says there is a part that we play in this journey on this path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and in all your ways. Submit to Him. All your heart. All your ways. You cannot miss the magnitude of the word all. So it has the flavor of those young men down the road in Death Valley who are all in. Christianity doesn't work any other way for anybody than all your heart. Trusting God in all your ways. He said it's tempting to ask, does God really expect us to always 
all the time, all our heart. I think Jesus can provide clarity on that one. Matthew 22, 35, the Pharisees got together one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the greatest commandment. You know, when you think about it, it really doesn't make sense that it could work any other way than all. Does it? I mean, think about how would my marriage fare if I was faithful to Lisa 95% of the time? Or if I was a bookkeeper and honest with my accounting with the company 95% of the time? It's unbelievable. This is almost there. Imagine if you were a clock builder and you put together the clock with 95% of the parts. Do you know what's not working for you? And I wish I could say you're giving him 95%. I think that would be a compliment to many in the church today. I don't think we're near 95%. Which already we've proven would be horrible. It doesn't work any other way than with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. We wonder why there's no power, no radical change in our world. God's people compromising, withholding. It's always all or nothing. What a great 2021 goal would be for you right here. There's your, there's your goal. Here's your verse. To love, to, to trust the Lord with all my heart and all my ways submit to Him. What is it going to take in your life for that to become a reality? That's the question of the morning. What is it going to take? What adjustments? Everybody knows the finger of God is already pressing on you right now for, you, for this to become a reality with all your heart. What is that going to, what, what adjustments are going to have to be made in your life in 2021? Let me tell you something. It's not that God doesn't love you on the days that you come to Him with less than all your heart. I'm just telling you, you forfeit all peace when you play that game. It's not about God loving you. It's about that connection is so broken, you result in walking through that day with zero peace. It's sort of what the writer says in verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. You know what a healthy body is? A cynic might look at that and say, you know, people obey the Lord, they're not healthy. You know what a healthy body is? A healthy body is a holy body. That's what it means to have health. I'm healthy if I'm holy, and if I'm holy, I'm happy. I love what Alexander McLaren says at this point. There is no such magnet to draw men from sin as the happy fear of God, which is the essence of faith. You want to redefine faith or another definition of faith today? Faith is 
a happy fear of God, which has determined that living by my own wisdom is neither good nor peace-giving. So now let's return to the verse we sort of were focused on today. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. You know, I didn't grow up with the translation, submit to him. I grew up with the New American Standard. I grew away, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And that really is my preference. Because it's like you're paying attention to in every detail of your life. Can you imagine going to a party where Jesus is hanging out and you keep running into him all You go over to the place where they got the artichoke dip and he's there getting some dip. And then you decide to get a glass of Coke and you go out on the back porch with, to get some fresh air. He's there with his Coke on the back porch. And yet you never dialogue with him. You never acknowledge him. This is what we do with many of our days. Our days are crowded with God. No acknowledgement. No stopping to pray, to love, to adore, to depend, to rely, to cast burdens. We're the same party and no acknowledgement. If you've known me for a while, you probably know that when possible, I like, and we're talking for a while, I like to sort of separate by saying, hey, can we pray? <clears throat> now, my staff says that I do this to run them out of my office when I'm tired of listening to them, which is a little true. But I'll tell you why I really do it. Because I'm not a great prayer. But I think when I'm with you, it sort of reminds me, this is another time, just your presence, to acknowledge God. And that's why I pause for prayer, because it's a good time. I mean, I don't even ever conclude a round of golf without asking the guys, could we acknowledge God for this, the color green and the flight of a golf ball and being able to shoot 66. Just acknowledge God as much as you can. I told you about my friend Bill that I did his funeral for earlier this week. He said everything changed in his life when he was 35. He said because he made a determination at age 35, I would never begin my day without reading my Bible. And letting that Bible thrust me into some time of prayer. And by the time I spoke over his funeral this past Tuesday... He had read through his Bible 40 times. And his life reflected that. His praying reflected that. His countenance reflected that. So again, a goal for 2021. Ten minutes. Start. Book of John. You don't even have to complete a chapter. Just something, and then the book of, something from the book of Psalms, and then turn that into prayer. And then start back with those prayer cards of people who have asked you to pray. And go through this. And when you're praying, especially when you're hurting, acknowledge God like this in 2021. God, I know you're sovereign. You're a million times bigger than this. This painful thing in my life. You control it like a dog on a leash. 
It does not control me. It has no power over me. You have the power, and I believe that you are using this very painful thing for a good purpose because you, I believe, are infinitely good, and in you there is no darkness at all. Acknowledge his sovereignty and his goodness. Let me close with, just want to remind you, when you read Proverbs 3, every verse, 5 and 6, remember, every verse always lives in a neighborhood. So get to know the neighborhood of the verses. This is how Proverbs 3 exists. It's a father pleading with a son to not forsake the word of God because then you forsake peace. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Obviously, the book of Proverbs is not a one-size-fit-all saying that everybody that starts when they're young will live to be old, but it's saying that if you, whatever age you are living, those years will be known by peace if you are living in obedience to God. And ask anybody, whether they are young or whether they're old, if they've not lived in obedience to God, ask them if their life has been full of peace or turmoil. You can look at their life. It's full of chaos, one disastrous decision after another. It's a serious call for devotion to God. Now, some of you look at this, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and this kind of verse, you say, my life looks nothing like all. I'm so far from all my heart. I'm so far from this kind of all-out devotion to God. And I feel like it's too late for me. Nothing could be further from the truth. Hear the words of 2 Corinthians 6. Now is the time of God's favor. And now is the day of salvation. A few weeks ago, our staff went to uh, have lunch with the ministry of Jumpstart, the leadership of Jumpstart. It's a, it's a ministry. It's a, uh, a lot of it had to do with early beginnings in our church, a lot larger than our ch- way larger than our church now, really national in scope. But we still very much love Jumpstart, very much a, a part of it. And if I forget to tell you, the book that I'm reading from is out in the lobby on the table. Um, and I just want to tell you, it's filled with 30 stories of inmates released from prison after tragic decision, one tragic decision after another. And if you would have known these men and women at any point in their life prior to the 30 stories in this booklet, you would have said no hope. And Jesus Christ changed all of that. They pursued a life of foolishness, and then they went to the source of wisdom, Jesus. They said, let me just read one story to you. Um, and then you can read the rest. This is uh, and and Joe, what Jumpstart does. They meet inmates about a year before they're released, and then when they're released, provide transitional housing, job placement, and continuing discipleship and accountability. So all of these guys have gone through this Jumpstart program. But these are this is a testimony of a guy named John Glenn. Very much not the astronaut. Although I grew up in church and knew about Christ, I didn't follow him. In high school, I started to do what I wanted to do, live how I wanted to live. My parents warned me that the crowd I was hanging out with would one day cause me trouble, and they were right. And it's interesting how many words in the book of Proverbs have to do with who you hang out with. One night, I was hanging out with these friends and some others, and there was an argument, a robbery, and then some shots were fired. Someone died. 
Even though I didn't commit the crime, I didn't report it, and that's why I ended up in prison. And while there, I realized that without Christ, I had nothing. And that's when I surrendered my whole life to him. Even though I was in prison, I finally felt free. I saw how much God loved me and wanted to use me. I made the most of every opportunity God gave me. I took classes for college credit and joined different programs and groups that would hold me accountable. Today, I'm a husband and a father and a worship leader and a student. Actually, I'm only three classes away from completing my business management degree, and I still do volunteer work with the prisons. But you know what? I'm doing all of these things. I'm not doing any of them. It's Christ who's working through me, and it's Christ who's living in me. Again, please pick up a book in the lobby and have your heart stirred by what Jesus Christ can do in their life and can do in yours. The wisest thing you can ever say today is to God, I don't have wisdom. The most powerful thing you can ever do in life is to say, God, I don't have strength. Because the Bible says in the verse we looked at early in 1 Corinthians 1, Jesus Christ is the wisdom and the power of God. To those who have lived the life of a fool, he will become your wisdom. To those who have given away your strength to sin, he will be your power. Let him come in through his death and resurrection and make you new. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for our Lord Jesus Christ coming in a way that looks so not wise as a baby. Father, in this Christmas season, post-Christmas season, we still think about the mystery that it probably looked to Mary what you were doing through Christ. And yet, Lord, she now in heaven with all of the saints sees that you knew exactly what you were doing. Lord, in all the 21 centuries of saints who've gone home, even Danny this week, even those who will go home today, they will see that you always perfectly, lovingly, wisely, in the best time, in the best way possible, know what you're doing. God, we bring pain to you. And so we say, in all our ways, we trust you with this pain. And help us tomorrow to do the same thing, to open up Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, to read it to you as a prayer. In all our ways, we believe that you are making our path straight. And there will be peace on the path and at the end of the path. And we ask you to do mighty things that we cannot do. We do not have the wisdom to solve it. We do not have the resources to solve it. We need a Father in Heaven to solve it. And yes, big time, we are asking you to solve it. We won't, Lord, Lord, you do control all things. All atoms report to you. All energy reports to you. All mankind reports to you. All evil reports to you. So God command and decree out of these horribly difficult things, command good. Decree justice. And in the meantime, hold us and help us. Most of all, God, the cry that someone needs to make in this room today, I'm coming back to you with all my heart. I receive you, Jesus. I give you all of my heart and I receive all of your salvation, all of your love, all of your forgiveness. I give you all of me for all of you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.